Hi, my peeps. How are you doing? So, Anchor just renovated everything, so I might be back to number one again. Who knows? Anyways, this is going to be the first of a few, and I'm going to call it Your Mileage May Vary. And essentially, the idea of this is I'm going to tell you about my experience regarding something, and if you do it, you may have a different experience or somebody who you know may have had a different experience, ergo your mileage may vary. However, the basics are the same. And so I hope you find this interesting if you've never done whatever it is I'm going to talk about or if you were wondering like what the hell is that all about, then I can at least tell you about the experience. This won't be an every time thing, but it'll be probably more often than not thing. Okay, so the first one I want to do is really personal to me, and as it's mostly just my friends who listen to this pod anyways, you've probably all heard me whinging about this over the last um, 10 years, but I want to talk about special needs for your children, for neurodiverse children, somebody with autism or ADHD or dyslexia or anxiety or all of the above, somebody on the autism scale, whatever it may be, uh, again, your mileage may vary because I'm going to talk about our experience with a girl, a daughter, who turns out has ADHD, but we didn't know that when we started out. So this, I hope you're comfortable. The story begins. Back when our daughter was just kind of, I needed to find daycare. And she was very shy and withdrawn. And everybody goes, oh, she's so shy. And I'm like, well, how about we just say not courageous? Or we just say, you know, she likes her personal space. Because I don't didn't want to label her with the word shy because that has so many negative connotations. So we found a daycare strictly because when we went to meet this lady who had been recommended by a friend, our daughter reached out to her and she doesn't reach out to anybody. So we're like, okay, this is it. She's comfortable here. Awesome. And it was amazing. It was a home-based daycare. It was wonderful. Then we moved her to a nearby preschool and they were great with her she was really coming into herself and she but she was still you could tell new experiences kind of freaked her out and then kindergarten hit so our first kindergarten was uh, it's an alternative school and it's lovely, uh, traditional school, but it was a little bit too alternative to, for me. So we moved her like two months later, three months later to a more traditional, uh, independent school with uniforms and stuff. And, and the kids, they just, they loved her. They went all over her and they showed her the ropes and they were her friends and it was it was wonderful 
And in that kindergarten, she was flourishing. Things were great. Grade one hit and things started to change. And we noticed that, yes, she was still a little withdrawn and she, you know, she had, she had her, her quirks, her personality traits. But we started noticing between grade one and grade three, work wasn't getting done. And uh, really, what kind of work do you have in grade two? Well, enough that she didn't finish it. Um, if she was the last entering class for whatever reason, she would freak out and she would hide. She hid in her cubby many times. If there was a new teacher and she wasn't prepared, the first time they had a fire drill, they couldn't find her because she was shaking and terrified under her desk. So obviously something was going on here. And the teachers, they did their best because they considered her neurotypical, which means like everybody else. So if she had a bad day, the teacher would say, okay, well, it's your choice to have this bad day. What are you going to do about it? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Grade three hit. And I had said to the teacher right in September, if she is not doing her work, you need to let me know. You, you need to tell me. I'm like, if it's French, we're fluent. If it's English, I'm really good at it. You know, grade three math isn't that hard. We can help her, blah, blah, blah. And no word of a lie. A month later, she called at the teacher, called me and her father in and said, I've been teaching children for the past 15 years and your child is not normal. Like you, there's something going on with her. She's not neurotypical. There's something going on and you need her investigated. Like you need to get this to the bottom of this. So thank goodness for this teacher because we, otherwise we wouldn't have had any clue at all. So we had some in-school testing done and it showed one was called the Wyatt, W-I-A-T, I do believe. And it showed essentially that she just, she couldn't do math. It, it was really hard for her to do math and her reading wasn't all that great either. So I thought, well, you know, she is a little picky. She's sensitive for touch. When she started dance, the very, like she, she was a visual learner. So we learned that when she was four, that she had to watch something before she could do it. And the piano was too loud and new situations would freak her out. So I'm thinking autism, right? Gotta be autism. So there's no roadmap in British Columbia to tell you, if you think this is going on with your kid, this is what you need to do. There's nothing. There's nothing out there for parents, at least at the time there wasn't. This was, you know, 16, 17 years ago. So we talked to everybody we knew and said, do you have any suggestions? Can you, can you suggest anything for us? So we took her to this place in Victoria that does autism testing called Monarch House. And they tested her and they said, no, she absolutely does not have autism. Okay. But she would still do things. Things would still 
you know, a tag on her shirt would send her around the bend or her sandals being on wrong or her food touching or any of that. So I thought there, there's got to be something. So we took her to the Royal Alexandra Hospital and they did autism testing there. And the doctor said there is no way. After he did his stuff, he said she does not have autism. I think you need to get her a psych ed because I think she has ADHD. So we were kind of a little shocked, but okay. So now how do we get a psych ed? Well, that's another thing you have to look into. So there are a couple ways of getting it done. It does cost money. So fortunately, my husband and I have third party insurance through our employer, which is pretty goddamn good. I mean, we do pay for it, obviously, but it's pretty good. But you need a referral in order for the insurance to kick in. So that's what we did. But we had to get a referral from a pediatrician. So I'm going to take a short break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk to you about the pediatrician. Hi, I'm back. Okay, so where we left off was talking about getting a psych ed. So to get a psych ed, you need a referral usually from a pediatrician. And to get a pediatrician where we live is actually pretty difficult. Um, we have two in the whole town and they're always super busy and super backed up and never have enough time in their day. So the one at our area, she actually goes from clinic to clinic to meet with different patients in the south end of our area. And she's only in our doctor's office one, one day a week. So we had to wait about six months to get in to see her. And when we did, she said, yeah, your daughter has autism. Because being in a new situation, meeting a new person, she didn't talk to her. She didn't really talk much, wouldn't meet her eyes, um, just wanted to play with toys. And the next time she met with her, she said, oh, no, that's not autism. Like it's a completely different kid because our daughter already knew who this person was and what to expect. So she said, she wrote the prescription and said, okay, off you go. Okay. So now we know we can get it covered, but how do we find somebody? So again, word of mouth, there were, we went to the ministry of children and family services they had given us a lady to help out and our daughter never bonded with her. So didn't really care. Uh, couldn't really get any help. And the, her boss said, we're going to take a bit of a break. Um, give us a call back, uh, in about three months. 
So I called back three months later and he goes, yeah, we can't really help your daughter because she doesn't want to be helped. I'm like, she's nine. She doesn't know what she wants. She's nine years old. Like seriously. So family and children's services were, they were no good to us. Um, really, because like I said, if she doesn't bond with somebody, it's not going to happen. So we found a child psychologist in our area and he was really good with her. But again, we still needed this psych ed done and only certain psychologists do this. So we went to Nanaimo. Uh, my husband took our daughter and the psych ed was, it was crap. Like the lady, just the, the doctor just couldn't really do much. So then somebody mentioned in my network, oh, I have a friend who does this. So we went to see her. She was local to us, which was nice. And we would go there once or twice a week, do some, and our daughter would do the testing. And at the end of it all, we got a report. And it was a very good report. And it said she tested off the charts for ADHD. So at least now we had an answer. So it was not autism. It was ADHD and anxiety and a touch of depression. So using that, we could then go back to the pediatrician and she said, okay, I prescribe this. So she was, our daughter was prescribed five ants, no, fluoxetine and Stratera. Stratera is the ADHD drug, but our daughter having anxiety and uh, sensory issues will not take a pill. So we used to have to open the Stratera capsule and dump it into a boost or milk or mix it with some kind of food. The problem is the medication inside of Stratera burns. It's like drinking, uh, if, if it's not in a capsule form, once it hits the stomach, of course, the acids do their thing, but down an unprotected throat, she's, she would cry and scream. It burns, it burns, it burns. And this went on for months. It was horrible. So when we went and saw this new psychologist, he said, let's get rid of the anxiety first, and then we'll worry about the ADHD. The anxiety was causing our daughter to, we would call it a meltdown, but she would cry uncontrollably and didn't know why. So by this time she's in grade six, things are not going well. It's a very stressful school, a lot of pressure on, it's a college prep school. So, you know, as early as grade six, yeah, they're putting pressure on the kids. So it was also recommended that we move schools. We found a Waldorf school and Waldorf is also an independent school. It is kind of counterculture. It is every oh, student led. It's similar to Montessori in that it's not student led, it's developmentally led. And so while she was chronologically um, 12, emotionally, she was 11. 
or 10. So she was put back a grade because in Waldorf school, it goes by the year you were born, but also the month. And so being an October child, she would then need to redo grade six. And her sister came with her because we could see even in grade four, things were starting with her sister. We knew it wasn't ADHD, but something wasn't quite right. So we went to, we took the kids to Waldorf and they redid grade six and grade four while at that school. So our oldest was now seeing the psychologist. He gave her Vyvanse um, and fluoxetine. And the fluoxetine is the anti-anxiety drug. It's sort of like liquid Valium. And within a week, things started to change. She wasn't putting her head in my lap and sobbing uncontrollably anymore. She wasn't crying. She wasn't upset as much. It, my kid came back. It brought our child back to us. It was unbelievable, the difference. After years of going, oh, you know, we don't want to do medication. We want to do this. We want to do that. Sometimes, and again, your mileage may vary. Sometimes you need the assistance. And the way I got her to take the pill was this. So, sorry, she's still not taking a pill. But it's a capsule, the, the, Vivan, uh, the, the Vivance. We can open it up. We put it into a boost because it does affect her eating. So this way we know she's getting some food into her in the morning. And what we explained to her was this. Your brain is great. Unfortunately, there's a few connections not quite making it. And it's just like having... kind of, we, we kind of likened it to having a disease. So even though it's not a disease, it's just the way she was born. So I said to her, we, she had a friend who had cancer, childhood leukemia. I said, what if her family didn't give your friend the chemotherapy and the medication she needed? she would have died. She goes, yeah. I said, do you think she should have not taken the medication? Well, no, because it would help. I said, right. So this medication that we're giving you will help. It will quieten, quiet down what's going on in your mind. And the fluoxetine is in liquid form. We put that in the boost as well. And it will help alleviate your anxiety. So she's been on these two medications now for four or five years. They're amazing. They work for her. Other medications, Stratera works for other kids, and that's wonderful. We're just very grateful that her old psychologist was able to figure out what she needed. Now, she now goes to another psychologist. She goes and sees her every three to four weeks. 
and it's great because it's not just a single thing to help. It was the therapy and the medication and the IEP. So in order for us to find a doctor who did the psych ed, we found one through um, uh, just the grapevine, you know, and she was fabulous. And using that psych ed, we were able to get an IEP. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you all about IEPs. And we're back. So we are now going to talk about the IEP or the Individualized Educational Plan. Wow. An IEP is what schools use to help teach your kids if your kids are neurodivergent. So it also has some caveats. It must be followed by the school that creates it, but does not have to be followed by this by a new school. So if your child goes from one school to another, that IEP can follow them, but the new school is not under any obligation at all to follow it. Another thing about IEPs is that they are a living document and they should not be a static document that's made once and then follows your child throughout their whole educational career. These absolutely need to be updated at least twice a year, if not more. Another thing about IEPs, they need to be related to the psych ed. So that's why the psych, psych ed is really important. And that, because that gives it the basis of, for the IEP and, and how the teachers are to teach. So in our case, anxiety, ADHD, and depression. How are we going to sort this out? In the psych ed that we received, we got suggestions. There's always a suggestion part at the end of how to help teach this child. So the IEP should be using those, using that information and those suggestions to for for the IEP itself. So things like only do half as many questions. So that absolutely needs to be in the IEP. And as our daughter grew older, we needed another psych ed because she was going into high school. So we went back to the original psychologist. She's no longer around. She's moved away. Right, so now we have to find somebody else. I don't even know how we did it, but somehow we found another doctor, semi-retired, who would do this for us. Fortunately, our daughter again bonded with him and didn't have a problem. And his report was stellar. He took, he wanted everything. He wanted the, the autism, autism reports, the prior psych ed, every piece of paper we'd ever collected on our daughter, the Wyatt from grade five, everything. He took that 
he did his testing with her and then he created for us an amazing report. And at the end, it had 10 or 12 different ways to help her educationally. So there are some things that the parents can do and some things that the, the schools can do. So on this IEP, the very first one we got was written by her by this Waldorf school and I don't think they'd ever done one before because it was quite overwhelming for me to read it and I'd never really read one before so fortunately I have a girlfriend who's a teacher and she walked me through what should be on an IEP and they had put way too many goals there should be only three goals on an IEP at any given time and those goals need to be stepped and scaffolded. And you need to, the, the IEP needs to say how the school is going to support her on this. Not you, the parent. How the school is going to do it. So they can't just say the goal is to, the goal is to do 20 minutes of homework every night. Well, that's great. But how is the school going to help her get to that goal? The goal is she will be able to keep her agenda up to date. Wonderful. How is the school going to help her keep her agenda up to date? You as the parent, you're not in the school. You can't do any of this. You're not her EA either. We're going to get into funding another time because a lot of it comes down to educational funding and EAs and who are educational assistants but the school district pays for them. And so your child has to meet certain criteria according to the ministry in order to qualify for EA funding. And my daughter qualified one year and never qualified again. And so would often use um, other kids' EAs and EAs would, the EA would get shared around between two or three kids, which isn't the way it's supposed to be. But honestly, kids who may not qualify for funding still need the assistance. So anyway, um, so the IEP lays it all out and should only be attainable goals for that quarter or for that half a year because you're going to revisit it again say january or february for the remainder of the year because once you're and again your mileage may vary because every child is different but for us once she's attained a, a certain goal like can meet reflections for example it's not on there but let's just say it was then we can move on to a new goal and help scaffold her and bring her into something else so that is that that was her IEP at Waldorf so she had that and then we moved it she moved to a new school right she graduated and moved to a new school the first year in that school oh they couldn't believe it. They were like, this isn't the child that we see. Like, she's not having meltdowns. She's not freaking out. She's not. And I went, right, because the IEP is working. Because the scaffolding, the, 
the supports we're putting in there for her are working. The second you take away a support, you're going to see her and it's not going to be pretty. So I'm just warning you. So it's like a honeymoon phase, right? So the first three months or so, everything was tickety-boo and everything was great. But once she started feeling comfortable enough to let down her guard and to really show the teachers what she's like when she's having a bad day, that's when everything went to shit. So she's been in this new school now. She's just finishing up her second year. She loves it there. And they love her there. However, again, I've had to fight every day about this IEP. So the lady who's doing the IEP is fabulous. She totally gets it is, and understands. And they have a weekly meeting of all, all the teachers. And they talk about the different kids in the school. And especially the ones with IEPs. How can we best help these children? So the biggest thing is communication. You absolutely need to communicate to your teachers, your children's teachers, every, at least once a week um, before the problems start. Otherwise, they're just going to get too big. Yes, we're busy. Yes, we're working. Yes, we have families. Yes, we have other children other than this one child. But I'm telling you, if you ignore it, if you just hope that it works, it's not going to until it explodes. And then you're going to have to drop everything anyway and focus on this until it's better again. So you may as well just do some preventative maintenance and keep, keep it up to date. So with her teachers, we have worked out certain things that help her and are in the IEP. Her math teacher now allows her to bring in index cards with the formulas on there because seriously trying to remember the formulas and he even puts the formulas on the paper that's great but in her IEP and her psych ed it states she cannot remember more than three steps in anything so yes she dances and yes there are more than three steps in her dance however it's constant repetition and she sees it she's a visual learner so by seeing it physically doing it with the kinetic and having other people around her doing what they need to do she gets where she's supposed to be and they do it constantly their rehearsal schedule as they're coming up to the end of the month is um their final thing is is intense math doesn't do that it's three days a week and one of those days is an exam so seriously she need if 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 it's a how to find x on a y graph well guess what she's going to need to know the steps in find in in attaining that you're not giving her the answer you're giving her the steps to get to the answer so she has these index cards and they work great in science she is only expected to answer half the questions on a worksheet for example she gets extra time to to do not the labs because she does that in class but if she had to do extra homework or answer some questions, then she only has to do half or she gets extra time. 
But where she did not get extra time was her year-end project. Now, this is all on her. She knows that. And we are parents guiding teenagers into adulthood. And it's super hard on everybody. And she can't handle pressure. And she does not like to accept help even when she knows she needs it. So she and I, after her meltdown on the Monday, managed to pull everything together for her presentation on the Friday by working really hard every evening, pounding things out, just getting things done. Did not like that at all. 10 out of 10 do not recommend doing that. But her teachers are still learning because they're taught, you ask the child, do you need help? And the child says, no, you move on. With her, you don't ask that kind of question. You say to her, show me what you're doing. Let me see what you're doing. Because if she can't produce it, she'll tell that's when you know uh uh okay so let's sit down what part of this don't you understand and sometimes yeah you have to start at the beginning how do i know this because i've been her tutor for the past six years and i know you start at the beginning and you figure out what she doesn't understand and then you go from there as a parent do not let the teachers dismiss your ability to know your child you might not be a teacher, that's great, but you're the parent and you have known this child since conception. You know her triggers, you know what sets him off, you know how best that child learns. So make sure the teachers understand this. I have repeated myself so often I feel like I need my own stack of index cards so I can flip through and just hold it up and say read this because this is the question you're gonna this is the answer to the question that we're talking about yet one more time it's frustrating and it's draining but on the bright side it's over after grade 12 so I've got uh, two more years and I'm done with her so that essentially is is it so we do the IEP update twice a year and she is now being grade 10 going into grade 11 she's involved in these meetings she's involved in 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 figuring this out because at her age she needs to take some responsibility for her actions and for her own growth so we we bring her in so that she understands the process. She sees what is required of her and it's not a surprise. It's like, hey man, you agreed to this, right? You, you said having a purple sticky note to give as a note to the teacher would help you advocate for yourself because that's one of the things on her IEP. She will advocate for herself. Fine. How is she going to do that? So, that is our journey so far. That is how we have managed to get her through with medication, 
tutoring, psych ed, psychology, psych, psych visits, you know, therapist, counselor visits, um, medication, an IEP, and constant check-ins, constantly making sure that what we're doing is working for her and will help her if she decides to go on to higher education, I think she's probably going to go to an art school. Great. But at some point in art school, she's going to want to say to her art teacher, I don't want to do this, or I don't understand this. And why am I learning this or whatever? She needs to learn to advocate for herself. So that was our journey. And I hope you enjoyed that part of today's podcast. I am entitling your mileage may vary because everybody's journey is slightly different, but some resources you can use to help you find out who does what in your community, family and child services, they're a great option. We also have, um, word of mouth with your friends who may also be in the same situation that I'm sure there are Facebook groups out there. I belong to one. It's a private group of friends, but there are a lot of them are on Ontario or other parts of the province, but they give you a good starting point on where to maybe start looking. Other options try your doctor's office and say, I need a pediatrician for my child to get the psych ed process started. Pediatricians, they have a very good network and they know who is who in the area. So that is where I would suggest you start. If your child is, there's something not the same as other kids. And you know what? It's not that it's bad. It's just different. And every child has their own strengths. And my daughter has a lot. And I'm very glad of who she is. And it makes her very original and wonderful. So I will be back with the second part of the pod in just a minute. And I'm back. So. Thanks for joining me on my very first Your Mileage May Vary. Uh, What else is new? Not much. We're getting a kitchen reno, so I'll talk about that in a future pod, let me tell you. And the sun is out. It is the end of May-ish, middle of May. Things are looking up. They're beautiful. I'm on my third course of my master's program, which is Leadership Theories very interesting so far, quite liking it. I don't really know what he's trying to teach us or how he's trying to teach us, but we'll get there, I suppose. It's leadership after all. They have, they, and by they, I mean, um, class action suit for the military against uh, sexual misconduct. I've been sending out emails and letters and money and stuff, so there's that. There's that new Bad Batch on Disney+. Plus. I've been watching It's Okay. It's Dave Filoni and his thing, but it's okay. Um, I really like Big Shot. 
which is with John Stamos. I'm not much of a basketball person, but holy smokes, pretty good show. And of course, the new Mighty Ducks one is really great. Emilio Estevez always makes me laugh. He's so he's uh, very scruffy and very good. So I've been watching those, and then oh, City on a Hill. It's on Crave. Comes out once a week. I'm on season. It's in season two right now, near the end of season two. Very good. Kevin Bacon is fabulous as a drunk Irish, Boston Irish uh, FBI agent from the 90s. Very, very well done. And yeah, that's about it, really. Just, you know, keep it on, keep it on. I bought a new dressing table that is vintage. It's 80 years old this year, and it reminds me of my grandmother's. So, of course, I had to buy it. And... I'm very happy with my with my prize. And really, that's about it. Nothing too exciting going on near the end of the school year, so helping the kids through that. And really, keep it on, keep it on. This whole working from home stuff is really uh, is really kicking my my happy button. Let's just hope I can keep going on working at home for the next little while. All right. I'm going to go in and buy a winning lottery ticket. So I will talk to you all soon. I hope you're keeping well and safe during this plague. And if you have any suggestions on what you would like to hear, whatever, you can always go on to my blog page, which is contestvanisle.blogspot.com or the Contest Vancouver Island Facebook page. Drop me a message and say, hey, I listened to your merry-go-round pod and would love to hear you talk about bleh or could you find this person to interview all right hope you take care i will talk to you all soon and i don't know what should my sign off be keep your stick on the ice no i don't play hockey i don't skate no stay on the bright side something like that all right take care everybody bye